the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to another edition of The Ride Home with John and Kathy, live from the Salem-Pittsburgh studios. And now, here are your hosts, John Hall and Kathy Emmons. Hey, good afternoon. Thanks for coming along this lovely May afternoon. Temperate to 75 degrees, Kathy. I love it so much. The window's open again. I have my windows open. I I took my screens out. Mm, Oh. Yeah. So now i got a room full of uh, flies. Oh, that's a shame. Just kidding. Dog. I really don't. I really okay. don't. All right, but great. I did take the screens out because I was what, cleaning them, thinking they were done for the year. Right. Of course, that's anyway. why you would think that because it's mm-hmm. almost the end of October. Yes. Well, greetings to you. How are things Thank in you. the Emmons household? Oh, you know, the spare room is yeah. as it ever was. Mm-hmm. Very nice. You know, I, I, I see you on the Zoom camera. Of course, you know, we're not having this for public consumption or our closed circuit Zoom. Closed so circuit what, Zoom. Right. And so when I see you, I'm looking at your background very carefully, looking mm-hmm. for any sort of, you know, accoutrements mm-hmm. that may appear or disappear as, yeah. the, uh, as the time goes on. I, I, have you found anything? Did you see I have a globe here? I did see that. Is that a globe? It looks like the globe when you were a little kid that you would put your pennies and nickels in. Oh, that's good. But it isn't. It's an actual globe. Mm, okay. Look, I'm for, for those of you listening on radio, which is all of you. Uh, it's, just, it's just a little globe. It's very nice. When you were a kid, did you not? I, I wanted more than anything to have my own globe. Did you? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, and then nice we finally got one here. You wouldn't be surprised by this. An uncle died. And when the uncle died, I got the globe. Yeah. And then once I got the globe, my brother decided the globe would be a perfect target practice for his BB gun. <gasps> He was oh, shooting at the globe? He took it out in the yard, and all of a sudden, you know, there's, you know. No, he didn't. Somewhere, That's not you know, right, The Ukraine John. covered with BBs. What the I'm sad about that. Me too. So mm. be careful what you wish for, I guess, right? Okay. Anyway. All right. Okay, I believe right now it's uh, time, the top four at four. I believe you're right, John. Let's begin with number one, shall we? All righty. For Wednesday, October 21st. After years of investigation, today the Justice Department reached an $8.34 billion, that's with a B, settlement with Purdue Pharma, maker of OxyContin. Purdue Pharma, bankrupt since September of 2019, will only pay $225 million, though, and Purdue's owners, members of the Sackler family, will separately contribute $225 million to resolve civil claims, the Justice Department said. And of course, there is a lot more to that story. Very good. Very good. Number two, Pope Francis endorsed same-sex civil unions for the first time as Pope while being interviewed for the feature-length documentary Francesco, which premiered today at the Rome Film Festival. According to today's Trib, the film reportedly delves into issues Francis cares about most, including the environment, poverty, migration, racial and income inequality, and of course the people most affected by discrimination. Number three. 
The families of 10 residents who died and five residents still living at Brighton Rehabilitation and Wellness Center have sued the nursing home just today for what they are calling a reckless handling of the COVID-19 outbreak, which has killed at least 73 residents of the facility in Weaver County. And number four, John, last but not least, the L.A. Dodgers took game one of the World Series last night over Tyler Glasnow and the Tampa Bay Rays. Game two coming up tonight at 8 p.m. from Globe Life Field, Arlington, Texas. And that, my friends, is part four. Very nice. Uh, did you tune into any of the uh, baseball proceedings last night? I watched about six innings last night, John. Oh, six whole innings, really. Mm-hmm. I, I probably watched an inning and a half or so. Okay. All right. So, you know, I think that we've talked about this before. You have to wade into professional sports now very gingerly because more often than not, you find yourself being lectured on social causes. Mm -hmm. And so we may think that this is a weird time in American history, but I'm reading an article in today's uh, paper. Uh, Rachel Bachman is the author, When Women in Politics, Politics Took Over Baseball. So she says that, you know, some say that in the year 2020, social activism is a sullied sports. But the fact of the matter is that the women's suffrage movement, which languished back in the 1800s, uh, its leaders were depicted as droning and dowdy, were energized in the early 1900s. They brought a rebranding of the women's suffrage movement with women in sashes, motor cars, and baseball. Because suffragists sold tickets, baseball tickets, by the thousands for a July 7th, 1950 game called Suffrage Day at the Ballpark. And then here in the city of Pittsburgh at a very own Forbes Field, September 16th, 1950, the Pirates at Forbes Field benefited a woman's vote group and the suffragists made it more interesting. They pledged to pay $5 to every player who scored a run. So then one more thing. Mm-hmm. The song "Take Me Out to the Ball Game" I know was well. was written by a dandy who was having a, a bit of a love affair with a vaudeville star at the time, and that 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 song depicted a woman. Uh, the lyrics, you know, we take me out to the ball game. That's the chorus, but you know the the first um, line of the of the uh, the first line of the song. Katie Casey was baseball mad, had the fever and had it bad. Just to root for the hometown crew, every penny Katie blew. On a Saturday, her young beau called to see if she'd like to go to see a show. But Miss Katie said, no, I'll tell you what you can do. Take me out to the ball game. Take me out with the crowd. So at the time... Women voting and women going to the baseball game were about as rare as hen's teeth. But that changed because of the song. And the song spawned a lot of imitations. Women started showing up at the ball games. And the political activism of the women's suffrage movement took root in baseball and changed minds for the 19th Amendment. That is crazy. That's such a good story. Yeah, how about that? Wow. So you're right. Everything that we think of now as being only current, the connection between politics and sports is as old as there have been sports. Exactly. Pretty much so. Yeah. So, I mean, in some ways you think about how it happened here in the city of Pittsburgh and Forbes Field and women's suffrage, you know, there's nothing new under the sun, Kath. Did you know they take me out to the ballgame was the chorus? Uh, Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I never knew that. It was a gigantic hit. And I never knew that it was a it was a girl singing it. Hmm. I'll tell you what you can do. <laughs> yeah, right. I don't want to go to the Take theater. Me out to the ball game. Exactly. Right. I'd love, love to go okay. to a game. 
wouldn't it be nice to go to a ball game tonight? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't it be great? Yeah, great night for a ball game. Yeah. We don't have any ball here, so no, to speak. We, we do yeah. not. We got no. We do have football, which is fabulous. Yeah. Thank goodness. Hey, yes. we got uh, two unbeaten teams that are meeting Sunday at one p.m. Um, I'll be in a place that has no cable. Mm. That's okay. We'll you have DVR, right? Yeah, but it's not. What you, I can't good. wait a whole like forty hours before I watch it. Yeah, and stay home yeah. with the rest of us. All right, let's fine. take a quick break. Come back. Let's talk about beauty on beauty with pastor eric andre that's a just in a few minutes here in the ride home on word fm Pittsburgh's favorite Christian music on the weekends. With the best new music. New, new, new music. Born ready. New music from Kobe James. When I was born again, I was born ready. Love one another by the Newsboys. Just do it. Love one another. And Man of Your Word by Maverick City Music. The best new music and Pittsburgh's favorites. Brought to you by Trinity Jewelers and Dennis Spira and Associates. 101.5 Word FM on the weekend. Let's say you've decided to build a bicycle from scratch. Sounds like an impossible project for my skills. But let's say you've got the skills and I offer you an advantage. A special tool that would help you build the bike faster while saving you legitimate money. My guess is you'd say bring it on. If you wouldn't, well, then this commercial isn't going to make much sense. My name is Ryan. I'm from United Faith Mortgage, and we believe we have an advantageous tool for you. Our mortgage team is lucky to have a direct lender advantage. Our company is set up to use its own money and make its own lending decisions within its own walls. And often, this advantage allows us to get your refinance or new home loan done faster and get you a better rate, which saves you monthly and lifelong money. Rates are historically low. Now is the time to see how our special tool might work for you. We our United Faith Mortgage. United Faith Mortgage is a DBA of United Mortgage Corp. 25 Middle Park, Road, Melbourne, New York. Licensed mortgage banker. For all licensing information, go to animalistconsumeraccess.org. Corporate animalist number 1335. Rack animalist number 65233. Equal housing lender. I license in Alaska, Hawaii, Georgia, Massachusetts, North Dakota, South Dakota, or Utah. I'm Dr. Baker, an ER physician. If you're having leg pain, swelling, or redness, but haven't talked to your doctor yet, don't wait. This could be deep vein thrombosis, a blood clot which could travel to your lungs and lead to a pulmonary embolism which could cause chest pain or discomfort or difficulty breathing and be deadly. Your symptoms could mean something serious, so don't wait. Talk to a doctor right away by phone, online, or in person. Brought to you by Bristol-Myers Squibb and Pfizer. Hello, this is Jack Graham, pastor of Prestonwood Baptist Church in Dallas and voice of PowerPoint Radio. Let me encourage you to be prepared to vote in this upcoming election. Before the Lord, it is our right and our responsibility to take part in the democratic process. The stakes are far too high to sit back and let others choose the course for our nation's future. Register, plan ahead, and please vote. To serve as a ruling elder is a high and holy office. RPTS now offers five flexible online courses to help you shepherd the Church of God. The Ruling Elders Program features courses on biblical counseling, interpretation, worship, the church, care and administration, plus preaching and elective options that best fit your ministry paradigm. No papers, no exams, just solid biblical teaching from experienced pastor professors. Individual and group rates available. RPTS, study under pastors. Learn more at rpts.edu. Well, they say the beauty is in the eye of the beholder. 
And uh, you know, look out the window right now, wherever you are, if you are outside. I mean, you see absolutely incredible beauty. But what about the beauty, you know, here in this life and beyond? Well, Pastor Eric Andre is with us. Pastor has been a regular guest on our show for many years. Eric is the campus chaplain for Lutheran Student Fellowship of Pittsburgh. Also, he is associate pastor at First Trinity Church in the North Oakland neighborhood here in the city of Pittsburgh. Eric, welcome back to join us to speak about beauty. Hey, it's good to be here, John. How are you? Real good, thanks. Always good to have you, Eric. Thank you. Why are you thinking about beauty? Well, you know, it's interesting, uh, John, you began by saying, uh, you know, the, the, the famous maxim, the beauty is in the eye of the beholder. Uh, yes. I was literally just, I was working on my sermon for this Sunday, and, uh, you know, we got the uh, anniversary of the Reformation, Reformation Sunday coming up, and I came across a quote by Martin Luther where he uh, essentially says that God, God's love is different than human love because human love uh, seeks to um, human love comes into being through what is pleasing to it. So if something pleases me, then I start to love it. But God's love uh, does not find, but rather creates what is pleasing to it. So, so in other words, for example, what pleases God, what 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 He calls beautiful is first of all what He creates, what He speaks into existence, what He names as good, as very good in Genesis 1, but even beyond that, that which he cleanses and forgives and clothes with the righteousness of Christ. And now, behold, he has made all things new. Now this is beautiful in the eye of that beholder, in the eye of the beholder who is God, the Father, who sees us through faith, uh, through baptism, clothed with his Son. Mm. So it's not just a discussion about, you know, what things we find beautiful at, you know, the Carnegie Museum. It's thinking about what we find beautiful in each other. Yeah. And, you know, I think that that creation, as I said, retains uh, a great deal of its beauty because God is still its source. God is still the, the master artist. But there was, of course, this this horrible rupture, this separation from from the source and word of beauty that God is with with the fall into sin, and that's and that's why Adam and Eve, you know, had this shame. All of a sudden, they noticed they noticed uh, that they were naked, and that brought shame because of the fall into sin. Um, but 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 it didn't bring complete annihilation. Right? It got pretty close at the time of Noah. But but the brokenness of the world, or maybe a better word is damaged. Um, you know, I, I came across. Oh, I had a line here on my desk somewhere. Oh yeah, here it is. I came across a flyer posted at Pitt uh, fairly recently that said had this quote: "We are people to be loved, not projects to be fixed." And, and while I think there's some some truth in that, I think from a Christian point of view, it betrays a fundamental misunderstanding. That fixing something or notice or, or noting that something is damaged, if you will, would not equate to love. God mm-hmm. sees that we are damaged, and precisely because He sees that, and precisely because He loves us, He seeks to fix, if you will. He seeks to redeem us. So, so we're not broken. I, I've stopped using the word broken too much because I think that can carry with it the connotation. You know, when things are broken, you often throw them out, especially in our consumers' culture. But yes. if something is just damaged then it's not irredeemable. It can be fixed. And, of course, we human beings are not irredeemable. Uh, one theologian even said we were created in order to be redeemed, in order to be sanctified, in order to be cleansed. So, 
So there's still a lot of beauty there by virtue of creation, but there's so much more beauty to come uh, for wherever we are in, in, you know, in, in our state of faith. If we're, if we're not in faith, then there's so much more beauty to come when, when God indeed redeems us, when he, when he instills faith in us, when he cleanses us in baptism. And even for those of us who are believing in baptized Christians, there is the beauty to come in Redemption Day, at the Great Judgment Day, when he will remove all stain, all blemish, and, and clothe us and adorn us as, as a bride coming out, adorned for her husband, as it says you know, in the last chapters of Revelation, which is really wonderful imagery when you think about it. Eve is presented to Adam, and he sees the beauty there before the fall. He's presented, she's presented to Adam as his bride, and now the church is presented to Christ uh, on his throne in Revelation as the bride adorned for her husband. So there's this beautiful, complete circle of paradise, of Eve, of, of, of the church restored to that original beauty. Mm. Well, that's so good. Eric Andre's with us. Eric, as you're speaking, you know, um, the, the poets uh, and the lyricists have talked and written about beauty for millennia. Uh, I often think about uh, the Elvis Costello line uh, where he talks about all this useless beauty, mm. that we are created into all this beauty, but still in some ways, you know, we... We screw it up. Uh, we make the we muddy things up even more so. Born into this world uh, through a nature of our sin, and uh, we need Jesus more than ever to find our way back to the true beauty at some point in eternity. Yeah, you know, I was thinking, I was thinking about Jesus also, John. And there's this uh, wonderful paradox, right? We have the beloved Him, beautiful Savior, and of course there is this 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 you know, beauty that draws us to Christ. Um, this, this, you know, I think of Aslan in, in, in the Chronicles of Narnia, how the children are drawn to him because there's a certain magnificent, magnificent uh, elegance and, and beauty to him. But we also have that powerful prophecy in Isaiah 53 of the man of sorrows, the suffering servant, and, and where Isaiah writes that there was no beauty that we should behold him. Uh, and rather, and, and why is that? Because he has taken our sorrows, our griefs, he has borne them, he has been stricken and smitten and afflicted by God, wounded for us, bruised for our iniquities, chastised, whipped, beaten. And, and so, but, but, that, but precisely in that, you know, there's this trade that he gives us, not only he, in, in trading our sin for his righteousness, there's also the trade for our, the ugliness of that sin, for, for the beauty of salvation and the beauty of redemption. Um, I was talking with my students about this the other day, uh, the classic novel from Oscar Wilde, The Picture of Dorian Gray, oh, which sure. has also been made into a couple films. I don't know if either of you have read that or seen oh, yeah. the film, but mm-hmm. yeah, so you know the concept, right? I mean, that, that here this debonair uh, young Dorian Gray is given a, a painting by one of his friends, and it's this beautiful painting, a portrait of, of Dorian himself. And as Dorian ages, and not only as he ages, but as he gives in more and more to the temptations that are there because of his physical beauty. Men and women are both drawn to him, and he you know, commits unspeakable sexual, and, and even, I think he commits murder, at least it's implied. But he, he stays young and beautiful, but the picture, which he eventually has to hide back in a back closet, grows uglier and uglier, becomes this deformed, uh, old, decrepit, ugly picture of Dorian Gray. And many have said, you know, this is really a, a metaphor for, for what Christ is and what Christ does, does for us on the cross. There was no beauty on that cross. I mean, and, and 
because our sin was there. But because of that ugliness of the cross uh, and what we with our sin did to him, therefore, in the Father's eyes, we are beautiful. By that blood, he has cleansed us, and as Ephesians 5 says, presented us to himself without stain or blemish, spotless as, as his bride. We're talking to the Reverend Eric Andre. Eric's with us from from a Lutheran Student Fellowship of Pittsburgh and First Trinity Church of North Oakland. Um, talk to us a little bit about how beauty impacts people who are between the ages of 18 and 22. I'm asking you that, of course, yeah. because you're the campus chaplain there. Um, yeah. But, you know, I think back to the to how I looked at beauty when I was a Pitt student. And I spent a lot of time in the um, in the Carnegie when I was, you know, freshman to senior. Um, but my ideas of beauty have changed since then. Well, talk to us a little about that. Yeah. You know, I just, I just watched, and I highly recommend and Maybe, maybe again, maybe you guys have seen it, the documentary, the social dilemma. Oh, sure. um, I just, yeah. Yeah. And, and, and about, you know, social media and how among many other things, it, it deforms, literally deforms our sense of what beauty is by, you know, by hitting a like button uh, or, 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 you know, Facebook or TikTok and filters and all this stuff. Um, I, I came across um, an, uh, a house, you know, in, in, in our tradition, uh, we have house blessings, as many other Christian traditions do. And I came across a prayer, and, and usually in those house blessings, we go from room to room, and, and we bless each room and say a prayer specific for that dining room, for that bedroom, for the family room. And most, most of these that I've seen over the years leave out the bathroom. And, and maybe there's, you know, uh, re, mo- reasons of modesty why, but I came across one that has a prayer for the bathroom and specifically for the mirror, that especially mm-hmm. young women would see themselves in that mirror as God sees them and not as they themselves perceive themselves through the filter of society or through social media or cultural mm. expectations. Oh, that's good. That's really good. Yeah, it's very powerful. I, I Honestly, I'm getting a little bit choked up thinking about it now. I have, you know, I have two daughters that are preteens, and, and it's just something that I, I think about a lot as a father. And whenever I do that house blessing, that's that's been one that families, especially, again, who have uh, young daughters as children, they've really commented and, and been struck by the power of, of that. And and, and again, so I think, I think, you know, that beauty that looks back at us in the mirror, uh, let's, let's think about how God sees that, how he sees us, again, clothed in Christ, beloved, cleansed, redeemed, uh, rather than what uh, society tells us in, in meeting its standards, which are so, you know, often so, so at odds with that. Right. And so in this beauty we are born into, and the hope is that as we go through, and like Dorian Gray, revert to ugliness, that at some point as we ascend and are with the Lord in heaven someday, the beauty will return to us, of course, because we'll be in his presence. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's, I come back to the great hymn, uh, Jesus, thy blood and righteousness. And, and if I can, you know, pray or say those first two stanzas, Jesus, your blood and righteousness, my beauty are, my glorious dress. Mid flaming worlds in these arrayed, with joy shall I lift up my head. Bold shall I stand in that great day, that, that day of judgment, that day of redemption. Bold shall I stand in that great day, cleansed and redeemed, no debt to pay, fully absolved through Christ I am, from, see, from sin and fear, from guilt and shame, from mm-hmm. ugliness 
uh, from perversion of what God has created. Uh, I think that's, that's, that's a powerful message that we all need to hear, we all need to be reminded of, whether we are an 18-year-old college freshman or a, a middle-aged, uh, you know, Lutheran campus pastor. Fabulous. That's good. That's a good word. Eric Andre, Lutheran Student Fellowship here in the city of Pittsburgh for the University of Pittsburgh and other local colleges. Eric, uh, before you leave us, speak to us about that. Uh, In the uh, era of COVID, how are things on campus for you as you equip and engage young believers or those who are seeking? Yeah, you know, it it hasn't slowed down, uh, God be praised. I mean, as everyone else in just about every avenue of life, we're finding ways to do things in limited numbers, a lot of one-on-one ministry, a lot of stuff outside, and of course, a lot of stuff online, uh, helping to make Zoom and Google a lot of money in that way. But, uh, you know, it really has been a blessing, those, those platforms, and, and it's, it's been exciting uh, to, to connect with people in, in new ways and in sometimes in more, you know, directly personal ways. Uh, we're, we're doing several Bible studies, one's focused on international students, some focused on new Christians, some focused on, you know, our college students. Um, we are at First Trinity, where we're, you know, the home of our campus ministry here. We are having services in person, uh, limited numbers, spacing, face masks, but we're doing that, and that's been a blessing that we've been able to, to do that since we went to yellow or whatever the phase was back in the summer. And uh, so we're blessed. Uh, like I said, it hasn't slowed down, uh, still meeting new students and uh, a lot of exciting stuff happening with you know, students coming to faith and students being baptized and, and, and still, you know, building community, again, albeit in, in different ways. But um, I, I'm, and, and I think we've learned some things. I've been able to connect, uh, reconnect and connect with uh, alumni, recent alumni, you know, with doing Bible study online. It struck me, duh, I can invite anybody. And so, you know, I thought, well, let's get the recent alumni back on. And, and that, that's been a real blessing to see them. Good. Uh, connect with our current students and for our current students to see, hey, alumni value what we did and still want to be a part of it. And so that's just, you know, just one small example. But there's there's blessings uh, despite and, and in some ways because of the situation at hand. Mm. Well, that sounds like good news. That's the Reverend Eric Andre, campus chaplain, Lutheran Student Fellowship of Pittsburgh and at First Trinity Church of North Oakland. Eric, thank you. Hey, it was great to be with you guys uh, again. And God bless. Yeah, blessings to you. Hey, have you heard the joke about Joe Biden? Well, apparently a lot of people have not. We'll talk about that in Late Night Comics. Who's telling jokes? We know nothing shows you've had a good night's sleep quite like a serious case of good old bedhead. When you wake up and your hair is sticking up at all angles and you can't quite remember what year it is, that's how you can be sure you got the rest you really needed. The Original Mattress Factory is a proud supporter of bedheads everywhere. Share a picture of your best bedhead on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram with the hashtag OriginalBedhead for the chance to win a $1,000 gift certificate to the Original Mattress Factory. Visit OriginalMattress.com or stop by an Original Mattress Factory location for more information. We're all thinking a lot more about staying safe these days. Windows R Us Pittsburgh is no different. When it comes to working around your home, Windows R Us remains committed to the safety of you and your family. For roofs, gutters, and downspouts, siding, and, of course, windows, Windows R Us Pittsburgh can answer the call. With over 50 years of home remodeling experience, Windows R Us has earned its reputation as the area's premier exterior replacement company. And all work will be done in strict compliance with the government's social distancing guidelines. If you've had damage, you may be eligible for free repair or replacement. Visit WindowsRUsPittsburgh.com for a free inspection from one of the highly trained appraisers. You'll love their no-pressure approach, no hidden fees, and one of the fastest turnaround times in the industry from a company that will never skip town when it comes to honoring their warranty. 
Why pay double? Trust the area's premier exterior replacement company. WindowsRUsPittsburgh.com. That's WindowsRUsPittsburgh.com. In the 2016 race for president, Donald Trump was not the first choice for many Christian voters. His personal history made it unimaginable that he would defend Christian values as president, or so we thought. In his new book, Forgotten Country, The Christian Case for Trump, Dr. Ralph Reed shows that President Trump has kept his promises and been the most effective presidential defender of religious liberty and the pro-life cause since Reagan. It's required reading in 2020. Forgotten Country, the new book by Ralph Reed, available wherever books are sold. Some of your favorite pastors and authors like Charles Stanley, John Piper, and Max Lucado are bringing you their most popular devotionals for free. Discover the joy and peace you can experience every day when you spend time in God's Word daily. Sign up for daily devotionals from Crosswalk.com and get inspiration and encouragement sent right to your inbox with devotionals for parenting, singles, women, workplace, and more. Crosswalk.com offers spiritual growth for every stage of life. Visit Crosswalk.com. Welcome back to Customize. And save with Liberty Mutual Insurance Company, the game show where you only pay for what you need. And we're out of time. Only pay for what you need at LibertyMutual.com. Liberty, 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 Liberty. Pittsburgh Theological Seminary prepares students for ministry in the way of Jesus with Master of Divinity, Master of Arts, and Doctor of Ministry degree programs and certificates. Perfect for students with full-time employment pursuing a seminary education. Learn more at pts.edu. 101.5 WORDFM Pittsburgh. On your smart speaker by saying, play the word, Pittsburgh. And on your phone via the Word FM mobile app, iHeart, TuneIn, and at Radio.com. Partly cloudy skies for tonight with a low of 58. It'll be very warm tomorrow with clouds and sunshine. Tomorrow's high, 78. Clear and mild tomorrow night with a low of 58. Friday, partly sunny and warm with the temperature approaching the record of 82. Set back in 1947, we'll see a high of 78. Saturday, cloudy and cooler, the high 55. With your Iraqi weather forecast, I'm Drew Shannon. You heard that great joke about Biden? Uh, no, you got a joke? <laughs> uh, actually, I don't. And it seems like nobody else does either. I've got an Associated Press story today that a staggering 97%, 97% of the jokes Stephen Colbert and Jimmy Fallon told about the candidates in the month of September were about President Donald Trump. <laughs> is that any surprise to no, anybody? No, it is not. It is not any None surprise. whatsoever. I can't tell you the last time I tuned into any of the late shows. Me have neither. You? Me neither. I've just lost interest. I no really desire. Have. You I know mean, why? It's, it's all politics. It's all politics. Yeah. Why do I want to see that? Yeah. I mean, you know, Johnny Carson, you know, way back and he, he would make fun of the candidates, but mix it up with other things. Right. I mean, why is it the only thing we talk about? Okay. So the actual numbers are four, <laughs> 455 jokes about Trump. Mm. And 14 about Biden. Biden. Correct. Okay. So uh, can you imagine the writer's room? I would think, you know, the, being inside a writer's room for a sitcom or for a late night show must be fascinating. But of course, it has to skew heavily towards uh, a liberalism, right? Of course. Robert Lichter, who's interviewed for this article, John, communications professor at George Mason, Mason said he's been studying late night humor and politics since 1992. It's an mm. interesting field of study, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Yeah. Except people are studying like the coronavirus. He's studying late night humor and politics, but, you know, we all need our thing. Right. Uh, Republicans, he says, are usually targeted more than Democrats by the comedy writers, but the difference has never been this stark. Mm -hmm. The closest was the 2016 campaign when Trump was the punchline for 78 percent of the jokes and Hillary got 22. 
All right. So project ahead, uh, whether the president wins or loses at the end of his uh, presidential term, will there be a dearth of comedy? Well, funny, that question was asked to this authority. And he said, you know what? I think they'll find a way to keep making jokes about Trump even after he leaves uh, Right, the comedy gold I mean, that we keep on giving, of course. Great. Okay, all right. God help us all. Listen, uh, let's take a break, come back, and the saints be with us, all of us, the saints. You can't be a saint by yourself. Megan Hill will join us for that conversation, saintly, next. WORD. In touch with Dr. Charles Stanley. It is certainly the will of God that every one of his children have spiritual discernment because he knows that the more spiritual discerning we are, the stronger our relationship with the Lord Jesus is going to be. In touch with Dr. Charles Stanley, helping you grow in Christ every day. Tomorrow morning at 8.30 on 101.5 WORD. Donald Trump never speaks softly. He speaks boldly as the voice for the voiceless, defending the unborn, the strongest pro-life president in history. He speaks forcefully, protecting the persecuted here and around the world, and for our right to freely practice our faith. He speaks unapologetically, nominating a historic number of judges who will defend our God-given constitutional rights. Joe Biden and the radical left want to continue the Obama-Biden policies that forced immoral values in our homes and schools and support abortion up until the moment of birth. They've attacked President Trump's Supreme Court nominee, Amy Coney Barrett, for her faith. And Biden wants to rig the Supreme Court, taking away our constitutional rights. Donald Trump speaks for us, boldly leading the way. He's never let us down and never will. I'm Donald Trump, candidate for president, and I approve this message. Paid for by Donald Trump for President Inc. At Eden Christian Academy, hope is rising. Hope that is secure in God, that builds faith, and inspires a love that can't be stopped. Eden is where parents find hope in a true educational partner, where students see faith woven into every subject, and where teachers model the love of Christ to every child from pre-K through 12th grade. Tour any of their three North Hills campuses during Admissions Week, October 19th through 23rd, and witness the hope, faith, and love that Eden can offer your child at EdenChristianAcademy.org. This is Jerry Boyer. This radio station has been telling you for months that November's election could vastly change our country's future. If you believe in liberty, supported by a strong economy, and religious freedom, your values are on the line. Please register and prepare to vote at your polling place or by absentee. This election is huge. We are at a crossroads. We all should vote. And keep listening to this station for what this election means. God's Word is power, and we need to be in His Word every day gaining wisdom. God is very patient, but because of our immoral society, we are drowning in debt, have poor public education, and corruption all around us. Our founders would be horrified at what the democratic agenda has become. With the right and left fighting each other, they get none of the work done. Please go to ProfitToAmerica.com. We're going to lose America. You can't remain silent. That's ProfitToAmerica.com. I remember when I was a little boy, my Graham, she was a very devout woman. She had like these little, I wouldn't call them trading cards, but they were about the size of trading cards. 
of the saints, right? You know, really? I'll put those in quotation marks. Yes. And, you know, I, I don't know who they were. Saints. Like a baseball card? Did it have stats? <laughs> no, I believe it had a prayer on the back. Oh, okay, but, nice you know, time. it was like, you know, the prayer to St. Ignatius, the prayer to St. Francis, the prayer to whom, right? So, uh, so I always grew up with the, you know, the impression that there was us and then there was this gigantic gulf and the saints were there. And then, of course, there was another gulf between the saints and God. Mm. But Megan Hill is here today to talk to us about this. And she's got a totally different take. Megan is um, the author of three books, A Place to Belong, Learning to Love the Local Church, Contentment, Seeing God's Goodness, and Praying Together, The Priority and Privilege of Prayer. Megan, you can't be a saint by yourself. Welcome back. Thanks for having me. Yeah, so John brings up a good point, Megan. For a lot of people listening to the show, they probably think that they probably think that saints are similar to what John said, right? Is that there are, you know, a couple really, really holy people and then the rest of us. Yeah, totally. I growing up I lived in a town that had a Roman Catholic church and most of my friends went to this Roman Catholic church. So the school bus would always go by and drop everyone off for their um, catechism class. And they had this statue of St. Mary that was on the lawn. And she was like all there by herself on this giant mm. church lawn. And, you know, there's one statue in the middle of all this grass. And it very much gave the impression that, you know, there were certain people like Mary that were very special and very holy. And then there was like the rest of us that didn't get statues. Right. But I think we see from the New Testament, um, Paul all the time calls the members of the churches saints. And so he uses that term, not just for, you know, what we would consider especially holy people, but for everyone who belongs to Christ. Right. right. And this is just not a one-time, one-time instance. Paul repeatedly calls all of us saints, right? Yeah, it's something like 60 times in the New Testament that the word saints, the term saints is used for all the people in a congregation. Very good. Okay, so then what, what is it about the saints? That if we call ourselves saints, that lifts us up in some way, and it helps define us in our communities, right? That, you know, if, if we are attending church or we are regular Bible readers or we're prayers, we're seekers, we're loving on Jesus and looking after the Holy Spirit and trying to draw closer, then there are millions and millions and millions. I would dare say there's probably a billion or more saints walking on the planet right now. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the word saint simply means holy ones. So those who are sort of set apart by God and, you know, God sets us apart by um, saving us, uh, by giving us Christ and covering us with his blood and saving us. And he makes us holy in that way. And then, of course, he's continually making us holy as well by his spirit. So, right. I mean, you bump into saints all the time, probably in the grocery store and on the bus and everywhere. Okay. So saints, wear your mask. One thing. If I'm going to bump into you. In the oh, sorry. I'm sorry. Yes, yes. Socially distanced. Yeah, I mean, you're crying out loud. A masked saint is still a saint. So keep it going. <laughs> That's right. Okay. <laughs> so then t- talk about the community of saints because, right, I mean, the, the, the old adage was it takes a village. Well, it takes a saint to be surrounded in that community. Right. Yeah. We need all of the saints. And that's the view of the Old Testament. I mean, the New Testament, excuse me, that when they use this word saints, they're talking about everyone in the congregation. So the little kids and the person who just became a Christian last last Saturday and the grandma who's been in the church for her whole entire life, you know, all of these people are saints and we need one another 
to, to grow in holiness, to set us an example of what it means to follow Jesus in our lives. So you told a story in your article, Megan, about being a, a, a college student and making the grotesquely unpopular decision that you were actually going to not study on the Sabbath. Tell us that story. Right. So on Sundays, when I was a child, I was sort of, I was raised to think that Sundays were special and we needed to worship and not do our normal work. And so I got to college and I didn't study on Sunday. And at first it was very lonely because it was like, oh, my roommate's studying and everybody else is, you know, or doing other, going to work or whatever. And then little by little, I found other college students who went to the same church that I went to and they all had the same commitment. And so then we ended up spending every Sunday together. And so we would get together in somebody's dorm room or whatever. We would read, we would talk, we would eat lunch together. We, you know, and then it wasn't so lonely anymore because I had this conviction but I got to practice it with other people who shared the same conviction. And so I think that happens to us in the church, you know, to our neighbors and the people around us, we're seriously weird. But in the church, we have a whole bunch of people who are committed to being, quote, weird with us, and it makes it less lonely. Mm-hmm. How about on Twitter? You know, there's weird Christianity on Twitter, which I love. It cracks right? me right up. Yeah. I mean, and it's necessary for us to go back to this. I mean, Megan, uh, you know, I I know you went to a Christian college, so I'm sure, you know, going in, you probably thought, well, everybody is going to honor the Sabbath, but it had to be shocking to think, well, the saints, they're a small percentage that are with me and a a large percentage who are not choosing to to walk along. Right. And it can be lonely uh, to follow our convictions, even sometimes when we're surrounded by Christians. You're right. And so the Lord is so gracious to often give us, though, other people who share our convictions that can help us to honor the Lord, even when it's uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Megan, um, I, without even knowing that you were going to be talking about saints, um, I was reading about saints this morning, but it was not in the New Testament, it's in the Old Testament. It, I was reading several of Daniel's visions in like maybe the seventh or eighth chapter or something like that. But he talks about the saints multiple times in the visions. Huh. And um, the saints are not referred to in a way that says these are like incredibly like awesome moral people. He's talking about them as people who are loved by God, who are suffering. Um, and they have a, an essential role to play because they are the ones who are going to inherit the kingdom um, at the end of the days. So this is a different way also of looking, but an essential way, I think, of looking at the saints, right, is that we are a community of people who suffer just like Jesus did. Yeah, it doesn't mean um, that we kind of have it all together or that our lives are going to be um, outwardly sort of amazing, but we have Christ. And so we go with him even into suffering. You're right. And yet we have this sort of hope of the resurrection of being with him one day and being made perfect in holiness. And that's kind of what keeps us going. Mm-hmm. So then I, I like this because maybe it's just a, a matter of semantics of how we choose to look at ourselves. You know, I'm a sinner saved by grace. Of course I am. But I'm also a saint drawn to Christ and surrounded by other saints. I mean, that's a more positive way to look at myself in a fallen and broken world. Yeah, and it helps when we look at the people in our local churches, right? Because, I mean, they sin against us. We sin against them. We misunderstand each other. We sometimes don't love each other the way that we should. And that can be very hurtful, but it does help when we remember these are the saints. These are the people that God is making holy. And just like he's working on me, he's working on them. And just as he called me to himself, he called them to himself. And it enables us to value one another 
even when it's not always super comfortable to be in the same church. That's Megan Hill, editor for the Gospel Coalition, author of three books, including A Place to Belong, Learning to Love the Local Church. Megan, thanks for being here. Thanks so much for having me. Always a pleasure. The saints among us. You, I, all of us at this moment right now listening, leaning closer to the Lord. Hey, uh, today's Apple Day. Let's talk about apples. I mean, that's a worthy subject, isn't it? What's next? Pumpkins, 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 and more pumpkins. Pumpkins are what the Springhouse is thinking about this time of year. Hi, it's me, Marcia, from the Springhouse, and we love sharing our farm with you during this beautiful time of year. We've got all kinds of fun planned for you and your family to be able to spend the whole day on our farm. Pumpkin patch hay rides, a petting zoo, giant square bale stack and pipes for sliding, a hay maze and a corn maze, pumpkin picking right out of the field, old-time games under a tent up on the hill, and lots more. And when you get hungry, of course, we have great eats inside, too, with lots of pumpkin creations. Pumpkin pie, pumpkin cookies, pumpkin bread, pumpkin custard, and even pumpkin black bean chili. Every October Saturday features a family-friendly meal, and October Sundays feature our 4-H hog roast with all the fixins. Plan to spend a memory-making day on the farm at the Springhouse in 84 PA, 724-228-3339 or springhousemarket.com. I did something weird the other day. I added some extra cream to my Fufu iced coffee, but I didn't have a stir stick. So without thinking, I grabbed my car key and used the key to stir in the cream, creating the perfect mix. Unfortunately, my wife was watching the whole thing with a what-is-wrong-with-you look. Hey, it's Ryan, and the reality is I believe our Faith and Family Mortgage team is the perfect mix as well. We're a smaller team, only a couple dozen people, and many of us are family. And that small helps us to be carefully committed and know every Word FM listener that calls. But our small team is also lucky to be connected to a bigger company that is a direct lender, meaning our company gets to use its own money and make its own decisions within its own walls, an advantage that often allows us to get you a better rate and save you money. We are United Faith Mortgage. We pay your appraisal fees up to $500. That's out-of-pocket money you'd have to pay before closing. Nice. United Mortgage Court, Melville, New York. I'm number 1330. Department of Banking. Mortgage Lender License Number 22672. Help at Home, formerly Excel Home Care, is proud to offer benefits to heroes of home care, including Hero Pay and Hero Sign-On bonuses. Any caregiver who joins the Help at Home team is eligible for a Hero Pay $500 sign-on bonus plus ongoing bonus pay. We know it's been a difficult time. Help at Home wants to make sure you get the Hero Pay you deserve. Give us a call today to find out more or go to helpathomepa.com. That's helpathomepa.com. Pittsburgh Theological Seminary prepares students for ministry in the way of Jesus with Master of Divinity, Master of Arts, and Doctor of Ministry degree programs and certificates. Perfect for students with full-time employment pursuing a seminary education. Learn more at pts.edu. Hello, it's me, the designer jeans in the back of your closet. What happened to us? I used to summer in the Hamptons, and now I'm stuck behind a pair of sweats. Okay, maybe I never really fit you right, but I got a lot more Sunday fun days left in me. So take me to Goodwill where I can really make a difference. Your donations to Goodwill create jobs, training programs, and education assistance for people in your community. To find your nearest donation center, go to goodwill.org. Donate stuff. Create jobs. A message from Goodwill and the Ad Council. Happy Apple Day. Today's Apple Day. Yep. All right. Well, I like an apple. I just oh had a nice gosh. apple today. What kind? Honey crisp. Listen, are they delicious? They're my favorite apples. Oh my gosh, me too. Now, well, 
here's the thing. I have different favorite apples for different things, though. Of so course, for the eating, sure, sure. for the snacking apple, you can't get any better no, than that's honey it, crisp. Right. And but in if you're my making... personal, in my personal opinion, from Sorgles in Wexford. Oh. Well, you know, a honey crisp is a honey crisp, I believe. No, absolutely not. No, that is not true. Come on. Mm-hmm. What do you mean? There's a variation from store to store? Absolutely. How can that be? Because you've never had a Sorgles honey crisp apple. That's why you don't know. Hmm. They're that uh-huh. worth it. They're that okay. worth it. I got a bushel of them this year for two people. I tell you. A bushel? Yeah, it's a lot of apples. Holy heck. Anyway, so there are 7,500 varieties of apples in the world. Which makes me leery, to be honest. That is a lot. I feel like that's more than we need. Well, okay. So remember, harken back to the red delicious apple. That is the worst apple. Of course it is. You know why? Why? They took an apple mm-hmm. and then they messed with it. They messed with it. They were interested only in the aesthetic, the look of the apple, mm. right? The perfection of a red apple. But right. when you bite into a red delicious apple, it so tastes terrible. like cardboard. Doesn't it? And you know what? As a close second is the golden delicious. That's which a shame. Is not, which is not delicious. No. So I don't get it. How many 5,000 plus varieties of apples? 7,500. 7,000. Why do we always ruin a good thing? I don't know why we have to keep having more and more. Okay. I, I would like to know your other favorites. Do you have, now you're not the baker. So since your wife is making the apple pie, perhaps you don't even know what kind of apple she uses. Uh, Wait, I, there's a couple of them downstairs. Uh little sourball apples. Uh, I'm sorry. The, the name's Macintosh, st- Granny Smith, Granny Smith. Thank okay. you. Mm-hmm. All right. Sure. Yeah. Now I very much for snacking am on board with you with the honey crisp. Mm-hmm. I enjoy the pink lady is my oh, very I- favorite for apple pie, mm-hmm. apple crisp, mm-hmm. something mm-hmm. like that. I think it's very, very good. Yes. Very, good. very nice. Yeah. Uh, I saw it's funny you bring this up because today I've been, you know, I'm thinking about things. You know, like when the weather changes, you start going, yeah, that kind of sounds good. I'd like to have that. I saw a recipe of not, you know, not that it's, well, I guess, you know, for people like me or culinary impaired, I saw a recipe for caramel apples. And in the recipe, mm-hmm. no, listen, wait, no, okay. wait, wait, wait. All right. 90 minutes from start to finish. And I've got a taste for a nice, gooey, Oh no, Sweet Mike, he's got a caramel taste. apple. He's got a taste for it. Okay. Yeah. You're going to get yourself into a big mess. I'll tell you right now. Well, listen, I, I saw this recipe and I, I think, well, I, I could do that. It looked pretty easy. Okay. So I may go out and buy myself a couple of bags of caramels over the weekend Okay. and, uh, you know, sort of walk down that path. Mm-hmm. It's going to be bumpy. Maybe I would do caramel apples one day and popcorn balls the next. Oh, no, that's the double. That's the double whammy of goo. Right. Is it not? Yes, mm-hmm. it would. Now, here's the thing. Neither one of those are anywhere close to as easy as they sound. <laughs> no. My mother-in-law, God rest her soul, loved her so much. Every year around this time, she would send us two dozen popcorn balls, homemade popcorn balls. Now, I know people kind of poo-poo the popcorn ball, but a good homemade popcorn ball that's pretty good. Well, I've never had a homemade popcorn ball in what? my whole life. All I've had is those horrible. Oh, things they're the worst. Get on Halloween and think that's garbage. Material. No, that's again, that's like styrofoam. But yeah. a good homemade popcorn ball, that's pretty good stuff. I'd like to do that. Yeah. If you decide that you're going to take your time over the weekend and prepare um, caramel apples and popcorn <laughs> balls, first off, I want to ask for a video because 
It's going to be a mess. Yeah. A Could gigantic you mess. If you would do caramel apples and popcorn balls in one felt soup, you would never have any feelings in your hand. They'd be covered with a thick coat of something. Right. That's going to that be would, a total mess. How would you get that off? How know? about the candy apple? That's something I do not appreciate. I love a candy apple. No. Look, when we were kids, that was the first place I stopped to on Halloween. Up the street, Mrs. Budzikowski, Lydia. <laughs> Mrs. Butchikowski, yeah. who had a candy store uh-huh. called Lydia's, she made really excellent taff. We called them taffy apples, mm-hmm. uh, candy apples. I'm yeah, happy just, to have one of those. That's just a mess for your teeth. No, that's who just, cares? No, it's it's uh, it's gonna. Screw really, you wouldn't up. have a taffy apple? No. Hold on, Mike, chime in, please. Taffy apple, caramel apple. Thumbs down to both. Oh, jeez, oh. Louise! What do you mean thumbs? Are you American? <laughs> what is wrong with this? They're too. It's too sticky for me, and it just gets clumped up in my teeth. Right. It's just. It's too much. It's too much. Live a little, would you please? And here's the other thing. If you're talking either one of those, who is biting into that? I mean, there. I am. Oh, are you really? I'm gonna have that. Yeah. No way. Your teeth shatter. Yeah, come, exactly. No. I'd have to cut it with a knife if I was going to have yeah, it at cut all. Cut it with a knife. That's yeah. such a buzzkill. Seriously. There's no way I'm biting. There's no way in the world I'm biting into either one of those. Never. All right, okay. You guys have it. Well, you guys ever had apple chips? They're like, oh, that's horrible. That's horrible. That's horrible. What are you talking about? Horrible. That's like, but there's like banana chips, that kind of thing. Something that's like something that's supposed to be good for you, right? Like they are those like the dried things. Yeah, you slice them. Oh, you get the apple and you slice them into thin little pieces. Someone's and then you roast. You put uh, cinnamon on it and then you roast it in the oven until they're golden brown. Oh, your house will smell divine. Mm-hmm. And yeah, they taste it's, amazing. It's like eating essential oils, basically. <laughs> right? Who cares? Yeah. I mean, seriously. Would you guys live a little? I mean, have a, have a candy apple. Have yourself a caramel apple. Would mm. you please? All right. Um, hey, um, I saw this weird. Okay, let, let me just transition here. Let me sort of make a hard left turn. Um, from candy apples to Edgar Allan Poe on what? the ride home with John and Kathy. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So our sister city here in the state of Pennsylvania in Philadelphia. Um Edgar I don't know Allen, if really, I don't really don't look at him that way. No, we really it's some sports thing. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Edgar Allan Poe wrote a letter in. Um, he wrote a letter 173 years ago, okay. pleading with um, an editor for a magazine that he had written copy for, written stories for, pleading late in his life for forty dollars. Now, the letter has appeared, and uh, it's apparently in pristine condition, sold this week at auction for $125,000. So poor Edgar oh Allan Poe, dying under weird, mysterious, poverty-like conditions, pleading for 40 bucks 173 years ago. I mean, he's spinning right now at $170,000, $125,000. Oh mm-hmm. Okay, so he was an addict. Am I right about that at the end of his life? Yeah, he had a hard time. Okay. Difficult row. And um, do you have a, a are you an, a, a fan of Poe? Yeah, of course. Well, look, I think any young boy, if you're a reader, you stumble upon Poe at like, you know, 11, 12, right. 13 years of age, and you go, what? What dark weirdness is this from the past? Mm-hmm. And of course, you know, you fall in love with Edgar Allan Poe. Mm-hmm. I mean, am I reading him now currently? No, but many people love Edgar Allan Poe. Are right. you a fan? Um, I mean, I mean, I'm asking the lady who doesn't like taffy apples. Of course I she doesn't. I'm not biting into one of those. I've already said. Um, I like, I mean, they're memorable. 
Let's put it that way. When you read the telltale heart, it's hard. Yeah. You know, you're oh. not going to probably forget that story. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, but I, you know, I, I, I won't do, go back to him. I do feel as if he, he is slightly overrated. Really? Mm -hmm. no, I don't think he's, I don't, how can he be overrated? There's been nothing like that before or after in many ways. And yeah. he's sort of the standard for, you know, someone like Stephen King or Dean Coots, you know, that kind of thing. Right. I would say I so. Guess. Okay. Yeah. Very unique voice in American literature, Edgar Allan Poe. Well, see, now I feel uh, bad. Right. Don't ask him for 40 bucks. Anyway, uh, that's, this that's weekend. That's really amazing, though. That's the ultimate irony, isn't it? Yeah. Have yourself a, a taffy apple and uh, read some Poe. All right. That'll set the stage for Halloween. I don't know. I, I mean, I'm not, you know, trying to say, you know, thumbs up all the way, but what the heck? Okay, live sure, a little bit. Sure, would you please? Not? Okay. Listen on your smart speaker, the Word FM app at wordfm.com, iHeart, TuneIn, and on radio.com, in the car or at home, too, at 101.5 WORDFM, Pittsburgh. With SRN News, I'm Bob Agnew in Washington. Speaking on the Senate floor today, Majority Leader Mitch McConnell said Republicans will push ahead with their procedural vote on a virus proposal with a net cost of about $500 billion in relief money. However, he's facing opposition from Democrats with Minority Leader Charles Schumer accusing Republicans of holding a phony vote just to consume all the time they can and focus primarily on confirming the Supreme Court nominee on Monday. New Jersey Governor Phil Murphy and the First Lady tested negative for the coronavirus just hours after he abruptly left an event. The Democrat was speaking at a workforce development event his office organized with Democratic Representative Donald Norcross at Camden County College when he learned a recent contact had tested positive. U.S. health officials are redefining what it means to have close contact with somebody with COVID-19. For months, the CDC and uh, for Disease Control Prevention if you owe back taxes, there's a lot you need to know, starting with rule number one. Don't mess with the IRS. They are cracking down this year by sending out heart-stopping letters, actively garnishing paychecks, levying bank accounts, and putting liens on homes and businesses. That's all true, but it's also true there's a way out. It's called the Fresh Start Initiative, an important government program for tax debt assistance. It's one of the biggest breaks the IRS has ever offered, so now's the time. You could qualify for tax relief that saves you thousands, even tens of thousands. Nobody knows this program like the award-winning experts at Optima Tax Relief. They have an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau and will fight to get you the best deal possible. Don't mess with the IRS. For tax help you need, for tax help you can trust, call Optima now for a free consultation. Call 800-965-1433. 800-965-1433. Optima Tax Relief. Some restrictions apply. For complete details, please visit OptimaTaxRelief.com. Excuse me. Why don't you have life insurance yet? I've got diabetes, and I know the price will be through the roof for the pre-existing condition. Well, actually, SelectQuote makes it easy to get very affordable life insurance, even if you have a health issue. I'm listening. You'll get quotes from some of the country's most trusted carriers. Even with your diabetes, you can get around $250,000 in insurance for as little as a dollar a day. That would be amazing. <laughs> What's it called again? Select Quote. Just call or go to selectquote.com to get your free quote. Get the coverage you need at a price you can afford. Call 1-800-694-1010 or go to selectquote.com today. That's 1-800-694-1010. 
or selectquote.com. Selectquote. We shop. You save. Get full details on example policy at selectquote.com slash commercials. Monthly premiums vary based on health company and other factors. Not available in all states. This is Albert Bowler with another word about the upcoming election. There is so much at stake. We might not be able to vote as conveniently as we voted before, but that just puts on Christian citizens the responsibility to work even harder to make sure that we vote and that our vote counts. Too much is at stake to sit this election out. So, whatever it takes, go vote. Greetings, this is Terry Hanna, host of Christians with Sacred Addictions with over 27 years of recovery from multiple addictions. There's a saying in the recovery community, meeting makers make it. And through our higher power, Jesus Christ, and implementing the 12 steps of recovery founded in the Word of God, you too will recover and heal. Why not join us at our meeting every Sunday evening at 6.45 p.m. on 101.5 WORD. Partly cloudy skies for tonight with a low of 58. It'll be very warm tomorrow with clouds and sunshine. Tomorrow's high, 78. Clear and mild tomorrow night with a low of 58. Friday, partly sunny and warm with the temperature approaching the record of 82. Set back in 1947, we'll see a high of 78. Saturday, cloudy and cooler, the high 55. With your Mackie Weather Forecast, I'm Drew Shannon. Welcome to another edition of The Ride Home with John and Kathy, live from the Salem-Pittsburgh studios. And now, here are your hosts, John Hall and Kathy Emmons. Hey, good afternoon. Thanks for coming along this gorgeous Wednesday afternoon. Kathy, I woke up this morning convinced it was Tuesday. I actually told my wife it was Tuesday, and she believed me. That'll teach you. Is that right? Yeah, I don't know why that was. I want to welcome you to Wednesday. Yeah, it is Wednesday. Of course, I'm... (laughs) She texted me about an hour later and goes, no, it's Wednesday. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry, honey. <laughs> anyway, um, do you love Parks and Recreation? Yes. I think it's my all-time favorite TV comedy. I mean, it's such an anomaly when it was produced. I mean, anytime that something fun and light comes out of Hollywood, you think, who is behind that? For sure. Yeah. Well, uh, of course, Parks and Rec has been in reruns for any number of years now. You'll find it. Is it still on Netflix, you think? Yes, it is. On Netflix? Yeah, and one of the main characters, Chris Pratt, who uh, has trended, uh, who has transcended, I should say, um, all of that, I, probably more than any member of the cast, even Amy Poehler, uh, Chris Pratt, really into superstardom, was attacked uh, verbally uh, over the weekend, of course, on the, uh, the Twitter sphere. Check this out. Chris Pratt, um, over the weekend, there's a, a person, a TV producer, Amy Bird, who tweeted a time-honored question that will you'll find on social media, but with a twist. Instead of choosing the best Hollywood Chris, who is the worst Hollywood Chris? Okay, now One why would anyone? What? How bankrupt of a person are you for ideas? that you decide you want to start a conversation like that. Especially someone who's a TV producer working in the industry, calling out friends and associates, right? Right. So that's absolutely lousy. Okay. So that she says one has to go. She posted a photo of actors, Chris Evans, Chris Pine, Chris Hemsworth, and Chris Pratt. There's a lot of superheroes in that group of Chris's. 
So overwhelmingly, as the weekend went on, people pointed to Chris Pratt, the Parks and Rec star, turned Marvel superhero. Twitter users brought yes. up Pratt's association with the evangelical Hillsong Church, mm -hmm. whose founder has made anti-LGBTQ statements, okay. plus the fact that Pratt follows several conservative commentators, politicians, and organizations on social media. How dare him? Well, he follows them. Yes. Wow, that is bad. Isn't that, John, to follow somebody? Whoa, that is Yet, bad. Chris Pratt has remained silent on his views leading up to the presidential election. No, leading he's not. Many, oh, leading many to mm -hmm. assume that he is a supporter, aghast, of President Trump. Oh, how Eventually, shockingly terrible. Of course. So now this caught the attention of E! News, which published a piece about the battle of the Hollywood Chris's. And then Chris Pratt's wife, lifestyle blogger and TV personality, Catherine Schwarzenegger, said, enough. Is this really what we need? Exactly. There's so much going on in the world and people are struggling in so many ways. You want to beat up on my husband. So then Chris Pratt's friends jumped in. Robert Downey Jr., also known Good. as Iron Man, agreed and said, the sinless are casting stones at my brother. A real Christian who lives by principle has never demonstrated anything but positivity and gratitude. Mm. He's just married into a family that makes space for civil discourse and uh, the service to the highest values. So back off. Good. Holy Three smokes. cheers for Iron Man. I mean, it's just, it is, that is a perfect example of what is so wrong and you could say with social media, because yeah, social media is bad, but what's wrong is in the heart and mind of that person who decided that that was an appropriate conversation to start. Right. Okay. So then harken back to like, you know, the golden age of Hollywood. So we're going to like, all of a sudden people are going to disseminate uh, Cary Grant. Right. Right. Or we're going to opine about Fred Astaire mm -hmm. or flash forward to, you know, fast forward to, oh, maybe Steve McQueen, you know, his politics are not acceptable. I can't go see, you know. Who cares? Give me a break. And you know what? How narrow-minded and intolerant could you possibly be to say, I would never follow X? Like, you're never going to get outside of your tiny little echo chamber so that you would follow, not necessarily agree with, but follow somebody who has a different point of view than you on Twitter? Not allowed. That's inane. Right. That is absolutely inane. That is the height of intolerance. Yeah, I guess. I mean, Boy, the, me the only panacea to all this, I believe, is prayer and a peaceful heart Yes. so that, you know, you interact, you can move forward. I mean, look, everybody struggles, right? Everybody can act like an idiot. But boy, we need peace in our lives. And of course, peace only found through Jesus Christ. So when you say that, can we all agree? Or I guess, of course, we can't all agree because if not. you follow Christ, you know, there's something wrong about you. You are against something. You're against a lot of things, obviously. You know you are. This is a truth. If you're following Jesus, of course, you're against a lot of things. But you're for more, much more than what you're against. Right. And you're not known for what you're against, for no. crying out loud. And Chris Pratt has never been that kind of public Christian. He's never been that kind of moralizing, hypocritical presence that a lot of people characterize as quote unquote Christian. He's never been that way. And so the fact that he'd be called out is just another example of just people who don't have anything else to do. I guess. Anyway, shall we take a break? Yep. All right. We're going to talk with Stephen Mansfield in a few minutes. 
Uh, Stephen's just really a, a wonderful thinker. We're going to talk about leadership, and later on in the hour, we'll talk about uh, Bob Fu as well. That's straight ahead, right home here on Word FM. 101.5 WORD. You're listening now, so we know you're a fan of the radio station. I am a big fan. And we want you to know that we appreciate you. I can be your number one fan. That's why we've developed the Word FM Fan Club. It's free to join, and once you do, you can take part in exclusive surveys and contests. Yeah, I love contests. Special offers. Great giveaways. Discounts. Freebies. I'd like to win one of these contests. Become a member today. Go to wordfm.com slash fan club and sign up. We're big fans. Joe Biden. Faith is what has gotten me through difficult times in my life. I lost my wife and daughter. When my son had stage four glioblastoma, it was a matter of months. Personally for me, faith, it's all about hope and purpose and strength. And for me, my religion is just an enormous sense of solace. I go to mass and I say the rosary. I find it to be incredibly comforting. Kierkegaard said, faith sees best in the dark. Think of all the people you know who are going through horrible things and they get up every morning and they put one foot in front of the other. I marvel at people to absorb hurt and just get back up. And I'm absolutely, thoroughly convinced and optimistic about the prospects of this country. There is nothing, there is nothing we can't do. I'm Joe Biden, candidate for president, and I approve this message. Paid for by Biden for president. We're all thinking a lot more about staying safe these days. Windows R Us Pittsburgh is no different. When it comes to working around your home, Windows R Us remains committed to the safety of you and your family. For roofs, gutters, and downspouts, siding, and of course, windows, Windows R Us Pittsburgh can answer the call. With over 50 years of home remodeling experience, Windows R Us has earned its reputation as the area's premier exterior replacement company. And all work will be done in strict compliance with the government's social distancing guidelines. If you've had damage, you may be eligible for a free repair or replacement. Visit windowsoruspittsburgh.com for a free inspection from one of the highly trained appraisers. You'll love their no-pressure approach, no hidden fees, and one of the fastest turnaround times in the industry. From a company that will never skip town when it comes to honoring their warranty. Why pay double? Trust the area's premier exterior replacement company, windowsrspittsburgh.com. That's Well, he did a good job with Joe Turner. Are you in high school and thinking about your future or know someone who is? Consider Geneva College. Geneva is a Christian college that prepares students for meaningful service in the world. Geneva has over 145 majors and programs, 19 varsity sports, 100 study abroad programs, and lots of club activities. Geneva has scholarships and grants to make it affordable, too. Find out more yourself. You can visit Geneva in person or online. To find out more, go to geneva.edu slash visit. That's geneva.edu slash visit. Consider long. Act quickly. Stephen Mansfield is back with us. Stephen is a New York Times bestselling author of Lincoln's Battle with God, The Faith of Barack Obama, Pope Benedict XVI, and Never Give In, The Extraordinary Character of Winston Churchill. Stephen, welcome back to the show. How are things with you today? Uh, doing well. It's always good to be with you. Thank you, John. 
Thank you. Great. Uh, Stephen, we're going to talk about leadership in a minute, but um, as I gear up to that, you've asked the question to make a mental list of the three worst decisions you've made in your life. And I can tell you that the top two out of that three are people I dated. I don't think I want to give details. (laughs) We want details. We want details. No, I'm sorry. It's for another time, I think, or maybe never. Uh, But uh, what does does making a list like that reveal about us? And why is that important? Well, we, I work with a lot of leaders, and we, we go back and analyze their bad decisions. And, of course, there are always forces that are at work in their souls or their minds that have turned them in a negative direction. Um, perhaps it was pride. Perhaps it was a hypo overblown sense of competition. Perhaps it was insecurity. Uh, I don't mind telling you, despite the fact now I consider myself a fairly confident person, that probably most of my bad decisions were made out of insecurity, uh, a desire to be accepted in a group, and a desire to look good, whether things actually were good behind the scenes. Well, how, how do I know that? How can I reel that off so quickly? Because I was forced to face uh, the causes, the root causes of my worst decisions. So leaders need to do that. It's hard for them. They don't like to admit their mistakes, of course. They don't like to go back and look at the past. They tend to be forward and future-oriented. But this is one of the best exercises I know to help leaders make smart decisions in the future. So then that decision-making process obviously comes with some time and maturity around that. Um, So what about that, Stephen? I mean, you're saying that a lot of leaders don't spend time examining things. I mean, of course, Kath and I are the belief that, you know, most people should be in therapy at one point in their life because we need a deep dive into who we are and to figure out that path back to go forward. Right. Well, uh, the, the, the Greek, great Greek philosophers used to say, and they believe that the unexamined life is not worth living. Mm-hmm. And so there's, there's that principle in general. But then when it comes to leaders, uh, they, all leaders will make mistakes. There's just no question about it, just like we make mistakes in our private lives. But the fact is that a leader has an obligation to not repeat the same old mistakes. This requires not only self-examination, it also requires, by the way, uh, having some people who have eyes on you, as they say in the the community here in D.C., Uh, someone who uh, can see you in 3D, somebody who has an outsider perspective. So part of the reason that I, I, I do some of the leadership coaching that I do is to help leaders who are just moving fast, not really being, not really examining themselves, not really taking time to reflect. Um, to step from the outside and say, here's what I'm seeing from the outside. Is that matching what you're experiencing on the inside? And it gives them a perspective they don't usually have. So you've got to have some folks around you who can see you in 3D. You've got to have the humility to examine your mistakes. And then you've got to have the self-discipline to take the lessons you've learned from your mistakes and apply them to better decision-making in the future. Yeah, Stephen, those are excellent points. And maybe I would just add a caveat to one of them, maybe a little addendum is that if you're a leader, you have to have established some sort of relationship with the people who work for you, that when you ask them what they think, they're going to tell you the truth. Yes, that, that is one of the things I teach leaders is that you create a culture around you. Now, a culture simply means what we encourage to grow, what is encouraged to grow around you. And I tell those who are on my staff and those who work with me, look, I'm not going to be angry at all if you confront me or you tell me you don't think something I'm doing is wise or you provide a different perspective. If we're on the other side of a disaster, though, and you knew it was coming and didn't warn me, that's what I'm going to be upset. So I want to create a culture in which you can you can speak to me. I don't want to be abused. I don't want to be beaten up. Uh, my team wouldn't do that. But I do want them to come and say, look, I think you're missing something here. You're a little busy. You're a little tired. I think you're missing something 
something in this one area, and I think it could really lead to trouble. Can I talk to you about that? And I have that kind of team, and they have made a massive difference time and again. So you're absolutely right. It's the kind of culture a leader builds around him or her, and um, having that culture be one of uh, meaningful, helpful confrontation at at every level. Stephen, let's go back and talk about who exactly is a leader, right? Because we've been told over the many past years that essentially everyone in one form or another is a leader. So it's not necessarily Washington insiders or corporate CEOs, whether, you know, you're a mother taking care of your kids at home or, you know, you're a dad with the the Little League team or Cub Scouts. People have seeds of leadership within them. It's up to them whether they choose to activate it or use it or not. Well, that's right. I, I, I do believe that everyone at some time in their life or another has to exercise leadership, which makes it worth it to all, for all of us to read about leadership, to study it, maybe to read some, some exemplary leaders in history. Not all of us do leadership as the primary thing in our lives. Not all of us are commanding troops, uh, you know, leading uh, corporations, etc. But moms who would never call themselves leaders obviously have to exert leadership. Um, Men at every level in their work, women at every level in their work, they have to exert some level of leadership. I've even been told by somebody recently that they didn't think of themselves as a leader, but they had a disaster happen in their home, and suddenly they had a bunch of contractors looking to them to tell them uh, when to come, when to go, and what to do. And, well, they said suddenly I had to step up and be a leader. So we all exercise some aspect of leadership in our lives, but I don't believe that everyone needs to think of themselves as a frontline professional leader. I think some people are being pressured in that direction these days because of some of the leadership coaching that we have. And I think that I think that can cause some people to miss their best selves. Mm, no, I think that's really wise. We're talking to Stephen Mansfield, New York Times bestselling author of Pope Benedict and another separate book, Never Give In, The Extraordinary Character of Winston Churchill, among many others. Stephen, that's a good point. John and I have talked about this leadership uh, craze because we've seen so much of it over the last you know 10 plus years that we've been doing the show. And it just it gets old after a while because it, there's this pressure that everybody has to be a leader. And I just I don't know. I feel like it's a it's a little bit of a waste of time. I feel like it's a little bit too formulaic to possibly apply to everybody. Well, I'm guessing that that's a perspective that's pushed by people who have written books on leadership <laughs> and think right, that everybody ought to buy them. Exactly. Um, but, you know, my wife, Beverly, and I often get moved deeply when we see for example, a contractor, uh, I just have contractors on my brain this evening, contractor who beautifully lays brick. Now, he's a brick, 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 brick mason. He beautifully, the brickwork he does at a home is just a work of art. Well, this guy is not a leader in the traditional sense. He's an artist. We, I live in Nashville part of the year. The artists there, they're not leading anyone, but they play beautifully. Let's leave them alone to be what they're made to be. I don't know how much my accountant or bookkeeper needs to be a leader and needs to be pressured to be a leader. I actually want him to love being, you know, playing classical music in his dimly lit office and doing my numbers right. You know, I don't, I don't need him to think of himself as Churchill, for heaven's sakes. And I think we are pressuring people against the grain. Thank God that he has made people with different wiring, different gifts, different sensitivities, and different level of comfort in front of other people. And so uh, I, I think it's something to celebrate, not to pressure everyone into a mold uh, of, of you know, into a mold of, of a single kind of leadership. I think it actually destroys people. That's good. So, Stephen, at your blog, you wrote about the the Guinness Corporation, and you say that their principle was consider long, act quickly. Please delve into that. 
yeah, we have a tendency today to act quickly and then regret long. Uh, but I, I want to turn that around. The Genesis said, uh, we research for a long time. We really ponder our moves for a long time. They did research. I went through their co- corporate minutes and, and just saw how long they would research and how they'd ask questions. And then they'd send researchers back out to get information. And then when the time came, they had a fully baked plan, a fully developed plan that they would execute, and they would, they would do it quickly and get it done and get it done well. Um, they didn't act in a hesitating fashion. They weren't fearful. Uh, and the reason was that they had pretty much mastered the facts before they got to the task. So they, they accomplished great things. And I, I tried to model uh, myself uh, on that, model my decision-making on that. Uh, take your time. Get your facts. Don't, don't let internal psychological factors or other people pressure you to act too quickly. Uh, know what you're doing. Have a good plan. And then execute quickly and confidently once you know the facts. So in this era of COVID, and of course, you know, you're in leadership training, has there been a a wiggle, something that's been surprising to you or reinforced of your teachings over these last several years? This era that we're in is very strange and weird and kind of unexpected. It is unexpected, and it's interesting to see who thrives and who doesn't. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's interesting to me, I tell leaders that they've got to have a rich interior and personal life in order to do well, because leadership will have its dark night of the soul. Leadership will have its t- two busy seasons. Uh, leadership comes with a certain amount of isolation and loneliness. And if you don't have a rich inner life, if you don't have um, uh, you know, interests and things that carry you, uh, then you're going to hurt. And we're, we're learning that. We're seeing people, people who are all social, all, all leaders, for example, are always needing the affirmation of other people and yet now find themselves isolated and they don't have a rich interior life. Well, they're, they're really hurting. Uh, they're reporting depression. They're, they're calling their doctors. They're, they're suffering. They're not able to do a lot of their leadership online. So some of the factors that I've been talking to leaders about for years are really coming to play during this COVID season uh, because you've got to be able to stand on your own two feet. You've got to be able to have a rich relationship with God, a rich relationship with books, a rich relationship at home. You've got to have hobbies that sustain you. You've got to be able to sit in a room by yourself and still um, have a meaningful life without necessarily having other people around telling you what to do or how awesome you are. And that's become a huge factor, in, especially in the lives of leaders that I know. So um, it's interesting who's thriving, the guy who can be quiet, the guy who can read, the guy who can work on his own, uh, the guy who, who has the discipline to affect others through social media or with a Zoom call. Uh, he's thriving. He's rising in his company. But the leader who just needed a whole big band of, of shouting people around him uh, or her and didn't uh, – and, and didn't really prepare for the quiet moments or the challenging moments or the d- tough moments or the decline of the company uh, that they had to sustain, then that person's really hurting these days. Mm. New York Times bestselling author Stephen Mansfield with us, the author of Lincoln's Battle with God, The Faith of Barack Obama, and the single best book I've read on Donald Trump called Choosing Donald Trump. Stephen, what about the, um, what about the importance of leaders being able to be followers in different circumstances? Well, the only really safe leader, their only really uh, quality leader is someone who is both of authority and under authority. Mm. Um, we, we see this in scripture. We see this in, our, uh, in all the examples of history. 
Um, great leaders are made by first being under authority for many years of their lives. And how they function under authority is usually the way they learn to exercise authority. And then even if they have gifts beyond those who they were under authority of, the fact is that they, they can excel because they first had the discipline of having, having to do somebody else's bidding. Um, this is the way training is. This is the way character is shaped. Uh, you know, one of the best things that's ever happened for me is working under other leaders who weren't that good, made mistakes, blew mm-hmm. things up, and I had to fix it. And uh, that that really prepared me. And that I see that pattern repeated a great deal in history. So uh, the safe leader, the good leader, the competent leader is both of authority and under authority. And by the way, we, we can see many people on the national stage, even today, who probably never really knuckled under another leader and served that leader and, and learned, took the hard knocks that come when you're not the top guy or top girl. Um, that 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 those those character flaws really show when they finally get on the national stage. So, I, I, I lean towards leaders who are willing to knuckle under, be under authority, and learn and grow in their craft that way. Let's take a break. We're talking with Stephen Mansfield. When we come back, we want to tell the story. We talked about this last week. The story of Bob Fu. He was in his youth a, an activist in Tiananmen Square. Later became a Christian pastor. Now in hiding from Chinese authorities. Help at Home, formerly XL Home Care, is proud to offer benefits to heroes of home care, including hero pay and hero sign-on bonuses. Any caregiver who joins the Help at Home team is eligible for a hero pay $500 sign-on bonus, plus ongoing bonus pay. They know it's been a difficult time. Help at Home wants to make sure you get the hero pay you deserve. Give them a call today and find out more, or go to helpathomepa.com. That's helpathomepa.com. The best Christian music to brighten your day. Messages that inspire hope, life, and spiritual transformation. And a safe place for you to grow in your faith. Hi, this is Dave Fry from Sidewalk Prophets. And if this sounds like something you could use, visit ChristianRadio.com. ChristianRadio.com is a place where you can find hope when it seems there is none. Now, all of your favorite Christian radio stations can go with you wherever you go. Visit online at ChristianRadio.com or download the free mobile app today. Hello, this is Jack Graham, pastor of Prestonwood Baptist Church in Dallas and voice of PowerPoint Radio. Let me encourage you to be prepared to vote in this upcoming election. Before the Lord, it is our right and our responsibility to take part in the democratic process. The stakes are far too high to sit back and let others choose the course for our nation's future. Register, plan ahead, and please vote. John, I talked to my daughter today who's a student at Grove City. And uh, we were talking about her grades. You know, it's a little more than halfway through. Her midterms were last week. And I said, so, you know, how's it going? And she said, Mom, I had the greatest meeting with my guidance counselor. And I said, guidance counselor? She's not really a guidance counselor. It's like your advisor when you get to college, right? right, right. I said, what was so great about it? And she said, well, what I couldn't believe is like he was – up to date on what I was doing. Like he knew how I was doing in each one of my classes. He knew the professors I had. He knew some of the things I'd talked to him about before. She said, all of a sudden I felt like I didn't have to go in and like tell him how things were going. He already knew how things were going. And so it was an opportunity for us to kind of get to know each other better. And I thought to myself, John, that's what I missed in my college experience. And that's what I'm so glad my kids are getting is that type of individualized attention that just as an adult reaching out to a student and saying, hey, I know where you are. Let's talk about it. 
That's powerful. So Grove City College, big enough to know it's a university and there's great intellectual stew there, but small enough that you're known by the people who are supposed to look out for you and shepherd you. Listen, both Kath and I, our kids go there. We love it. Look online for next year at Grove City College, gcc.edu. That is Grove City College. Ask Alexa to play the word Pittsburgh to hear us there. We're on your Google speaker, too. Plus, iHeart, tune in and on radio.com. 101.5 WORDFM, Pittsburgh. Partly cloudy skies for tonight with a low of 58. It'll be very warm tomorrow with clouds and sunshine. Tomorrow's high, 78. Clear and mild tomorrow night with a low of 58. Friday, partly sunny and warm with a temperature approaching the record of 82. Set back in 1947, we'll see a high of 78. Saturday, cloudy and cooler, the high 55. With your AccuWeather forecast, I'm Drew Shannon. Last week on our show, we brought in Pastor Bob Fu, who in his youth was a protester working against the Chinese government. He found himself in Tiananmen Square. Then by a really, truly a miracle, he was able to leave China, go to Taiwan, found his way eventually to the United States, where he went to college, got his uh, advanced degrees, and then later on went to seminary. Uh, Bob Fu now living in Midland, Texas. And uh, a weird surprise, a crazy twist has happened in Bob Fu's life. And we're talking with Stephen Mansfield. And Stephen, um, I-, I want you to pick up this thread because you know Bob Fu. You would call Bob Fu your friend, wouldn't you? Absolutely. He's a good friend of mine and uh, a dear friend of uh, one of my favorite churches in the country out of Midland, Odessa. So he's a very good man. Well, c- could you capsulize the story of Bob? Because I-, I don't want to presuppose anybody has knowledge about Bob Fu. It's a-, a really interesting story. And because you are his good friend, you've got a little more insight than to what I would normally have. Well, you've said it well. He was born in China. He was there uh, in Tiananmen Square uh, up until a few days before the violence broke out. Uh, he made his way out of China to the States. He had a dramatic uh, Christian conversion uh, and has done advanced degrees in, uh, in Christian theology and seminary. Um, what he does then professionally, he's a very, very good speaker, is a man who's uh, welcomed in a lot of circles in D.C., kind of giving perspective on China. Uh, what he does is he keeps information circulated in the West about uh, oppression and persecution of Christian or religious groups in China, and he also helps dissidents with their legal cases in China or perhaps get out of the country. Well, what's happened recently that's, that's brought him into the news um, is that a, a billionaire uh, whose name is Guo Wengui, um, a, a man who's known to be highly litigious um, and a little unstable, uh, has decided to basically persecute Bob Fu as a fraud and this is going to be a little counterintuitive. He's also trying to trying to say that Bob Fu is an agent of the Communist Party in China, which, of course, is the opposite of what Bob is. And so um, he's targeted him. He's tweeted about him. And now there are buses full of Chinese people. We don't know if they're we assume they're Chinese Americans. We don't know uh, who show up uh, in front of Bob's house in Midland, Odessa, Texas. And they stand outside with American flag, waving American flags. They all have masks on, um, and they they threaten Bob. Bob's had to be taken in police custody along with his wife and his children. 
Uh, I, I know where he is. I won't disclose that. Obviously, you wouldn't want me to. And uh, the police have had to cordon off his house. Uh, the media and the police have been asking these people who are protesting where they're from. They're all they've all got out of state licenses. None of them um, disclose who they are, who's funding them, who's paying them or anything like that. So here's a man who is do it really is all about protecting uh, people, uh, religious people in China, trying to expose the persecution and the opposition there. And he is being uh, basically made a, you know, victimized by this really wealthy billionaire who's got a 9,000 square foot, uh, you know, penthouse just on, at, at, at Central Park in New York. Um, and the, the likelihood, I'll rant on here another minute, I know you want to ask some questions, but uh, the likelihood is that this, this billionaire is being used uh, by and is doing the bidding of the CCP, the Communist Party in China, uh, to shut down Bob Fu, who's one of the most dis- uh, effective dissidents and spokesmen against their religious persecution in the entire Western world. So it's a very, ser- very serious situation, very weird. And of course, we're doing everything we can to get some of the officials in Washington to act. I'll need to say, I need to say quickly that uh, the FBI, Texas Rangers, these forces are doing a great job taking care of the Fu family um, and investigating the situation. But still, uh, there were there were 100 protesters out in front of his house today in Midland, Odessa. I mean, it's an outrageous story. It's it's unthinkable on many avenues. So here's a man essentially living peaceably. He is a Christian pastor in Texas. And now the long arm of the Chinese communist government is reaching out and in some ways messing with this man's life, trying to minimize okay, but, who he no, is. But, but may, explain this to me, either John or Stephen. So the people who are protesting out in front of his house, they're protesting his his perceived connection to the Communist Party? Well, that's that's the insidious lie here. I can assure you, having known Bob for, I guess, a decade and a half, um, you know, he, he is a person who who earns the ire of the Communist Party for exposing their persecution of religious people in China, helping dissidents, even even sometimes helping fund certain legal actions. Um, he's on the right side of this. He's an American. He's a Christian. He's 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 critical of the Communist Party. What they've what they have effectively done is say. You Americans are deceived. This man is a spy. This man is doing the bidding of the very Communist Party he's been criticizing for a decade and a half. They have Ameri- they wave American flags. Um, they say Bob Fu lied. That he's working for the C- CCP. That's what's on their signs. Uh, it's an exact reversal. It's an exact reversal of what the truth is. And of course, most people who have never heard of Bob Fu. Uh, just read one news story, and then they're confused. And that's the whole point. Raise enough confusion, cause enough turmoil, and Bob Fu won't be able to do the very valuable work that he's doing. And and so, Stephen, what's crazy is they are essentially at Bob Fu's house in Bob Fu's neighborhood, and they're blanketing the neighborhood with all this propaganda. So, you know, his neighbors, his friends, the people who knew him, now they're calling into question his integrity. I mean, how is that even allowed when people show up in busloads into a residential area and are able to run down someone who is known in the community? Well, you know, sometimes our American laws and our American freedoms can seem to work against us. Uh, they're not they're not pulling great big buses up in front of Bafu's house. They offload at appropriately legal places. The people walk on the public streets. You know, I have the right to stand on the street in front of your house as long as I'm not blocking, blocking traffic and say, you know, this man is evil, this man is terrible, this man is anti-American. I have that legal right. So the police are there to make sure they stay off out of the yard and off the sidewalk. 
Um, and the people, this, this is what is most suspicious. I've actually been there and seen them. What's most suspicious is usually when you have a cause that just sort of sparks a protest. People aren't very disciplined. They haven't been trained. Um, they, they bump into police barriers, etc. These people have been very well protected, very well trained, very well prepared. They obviously are professional protesters. Mm-hmm. And when you've got a billionaire coming for you, gunning for Bob Fu, he can afford to rent buses. He can afford to hire protesters. He can afford to you know, do the spitting. And by the way, he can afford the kind of media that can even deceive those protesters. I'm not sure that some of those protesters don't actually believe what they're saying, but they're 100% wrong. And a number of us have gone out there and tried to talk to them to say, look, if you are here because you have been convinced that Bob Fu is in the employee of the CCP, you're just wrong, and we urge you to reconsider. But they're, they're likely professional paid protesters uh, who have been you know, trained on some out-of-state site and then bust in. But it's, but it's really disruptive, and you know, they can pass out, they can pass out handbills through this, throughout the neighborhood. They can speak to media. All of these things are allowed by our laws. So this is the, the downside of our freedoms, so to speak. And I don't want to reverse those freedoms, but it sure, sure is uh, causing a lot of hell in Bob Fu's life right now. Yes. So then essentially a Christian pastor in Texas has been taken away in protective custody for fear of his life and his family's life. So is there any idea when or if this plays out to some degree? Well, I have to tell you um, that what's interesting is that despite the fact the protesters and this Chinese billionaire probably intended to shut Bob Fu down, the exactly, uh, exact opposite is happening. Uh, even though he's in protective custody, amazingly, he popped up in a major city at the largest church in the city this past Sunday and preached the entire sermon and then went back into custody. Um, his social media is more popular than ever. So same old story, you know, the, the early church fathers said that the blood of the martyrs is the seat of the church, and in a sense, the persecution of uh, this very good man is actually causing his message to go uh, even further. So they're not shutting him down. They're not quieting him. They're not going to, and others are coming to his aid. And the, the good news is this man has been such a man of integrity for so many years that people like me and his pastor in Midland, Odessa, uh, he's, also, uh, he's actually on staff at a 4,000-member church there. Um, these people know him. They're not, they're not buying into all the lies. They're going to protect him and speak for him, and many members of the media attend that church, and so they're doing counter stories. So this is going to backfire on the protesters, um, but it is going to cause some dislocation in the meantime. Wow. Well, our prayers to Bob Fu. He's been a, a good that. friend of the show for a long, long time. And, you know, I wasn't here. Bob was on the show with John just, what, was that a week ago, John? Last Monday, yeah. Yeah, last Monday. I had the day off. And so um, I didn't even know any of that story until John related it to me. So, Stephen, thanks for filling in the blanks for us. Oh, you're absolutely welcome. And I urge everyone to pray for Bob Fu and, and go on China AIDS website and see what's going on and just understand the, the real facts. And uh, I, I think good things will come of this. But, but this, is, this is very likely the long arm of China, which we're talking about in all, all of our politics today, reaching into American society. We need to be on guard. Very yeah. good. Hey, Stephen, just before you leave us, so the election just a, less than a couple of weeks away. If people are wanting to read, uh, what are you writing about? Where can people go to a little dig deeper into this? Well, people should absolutely read every word that I write. Of course, you know that I believe that. So they can, they can check me out on Mansfield Writes on, uh, on Twitter. And uh, the book that's most relevant right now is obviously my book that examines uh, Donald Trump called Choosing Donald Trump. That would be the one I would most recommend. But I'm, I'm, I'm on Twitter, and the Stephen Mansfield podcast deals with a lot of the issues as it will running up to the election and after.
Very nice. Stephen, always a pleasure. Thanks so much for being with us. We greatly appreciate it. Great talking to you guys. Thanks so much. Thank you. Stephen Mansfield, check him out on Twitter. The book on Donald Trump's a must-have. WORD. There are three ways of dealing with the Bible, especially when you come to a passage that you don't quite agree with or understand. The first tactic is to pick and choose what you want to believe. The second is to remain ignorant of what the Bible has to say at all. The third is to dig into the Word and try to understand all of it, whether or not you like what it has to say. Well, if you fall into that last category or would like to, please join us this week on Through the Bible Radio. This evening at 9 p.m. on 101.5 WORD. The radical left has a crazy scheme to pack the court by adding additional liberal judges. The Supreme Court has had nine seats for over 150 years. But Joe Biden refuses to tell the American people where he stands. Well, sir, don't the voters deserve to know? No, they don't. That's Joe Biden saying you don't deserve to know his position on court packing. Well, sir, don't the voters deserve to know? No, they don't. Joe Biden and Kamala Harris are the most liberal ticket in history. Their court packing scheme would cement their radical agenda. Taxpayer funded abortion, open borders, censorship. After 47 years in Washington, Biden is too arrogant to be honest with the American people. Well, sir, don't the voters deserve to know? No, they don't. And he's too weak to stand up to the radical left. I'm Donald Trump, candidate for president, and I approve this message. Paid for by Donald J. Trump for President, Inc. How's your pandemic going? This holding pattern that a lot of us are in. Do you have a silver lining in all of this right now? What is your silver lining? I mean, hopefully you're not feeling too trapped your burden not too heavy, hemmed in by the restrictions of it all. And no doubt, like everybody, you're thinking about finances a lot. Those things occupy all of our thoughts. Here it is, autumn. I keep on hearing this phrase, amidst historically low rates, and I'm not quite sure what all that means. What does it mean for you? Check out United Faith Mortgage online, United Faith Mortgage. Whether it's refinancing, cash out refinancing, VA loans, you know, buy a house, United Faith Mortgage, this small family of John, Ryan, Denise, Barbara, they set you up, honest, direct, you're good to go with a lender advantage. Look for it online, United Faith Mortgage, and ease your burden, United Faith Mortgage. United Mortgage Court, Melville, New York, MLS number 1330, Department of Banking, Mortgage Lender License number 22672. Spending more time inside? J&D Waterproofing can help you breathe a little easier. Protect your family, friends, and pets from mold, dampness, and other unhealthy elements. For over 80 years, J&D has been making Pittsburgh basements very dry and improving indoor air quality with solutions like the Easy Breathe System. Eliminate unhealthy mold and allergy-causing moisture without filters or reservoirs while using less energy than a 40-watt light bulb. Call 1-800-VERY-DRY or visit jdwaterproofing.com. It's time for... Does this make sense? Does it make sense? Well, you're going to answer the question because I'm coming at you today, John, with the following. You know in the produce section of your grocery store? Oh, yeah. There's like a jar of garlic cloves or minced garlic. Oh, yeah. That's like in some sort of fluid. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yes. That makes perfect sense to me. That, to me, is one of the greatest inventions of the 20th century. 
because if you peel garlic, you know it takes a long time. You smash it down. You know it sort of interrupts the flow of your process in the kitchen. So the garlic in a jar, yeah, I highly recommend that. That makes perfect sense to me, Kath. Sorry, makes no sense. Mm. None at all. How hard is it to peel a little clove? I mean, for heaven's sake, or just mince it. Get a little garlic mincer; it shoots through there in like two seconds. All right, it it makes sense to me. It does not make sense to you. Okay, does this make sense to you? I'm seeing now the smart refrigerators. Six thousand two hundred dollars. It has a twenty-nine inch screen on the door, or the smart Buick that has Alexa inside of it. Right or I even saw this the other day the smart Instapot. So now all of a sudden, remember the the thing where the Nest, the home thermostat, the Nest. Mm-hmm. Yep. And then there was an, a power outage on the web, and people's homes went from a comfy seventy degrees to quickly freezing because mm-hmm. the internet was down. So the smart appliances or vehicles make sense. No. Okay. I agree. It is the coming age. I remember a movie called The Demon Seed starring Julie Christie. And she lived in a house that took her (laughs) captive. It was a smart house that went wrong. The Demon Seed. Yeah. Well, I think that a dead giveaway is the fact that Mike's had an Instapot for like a year. Mm -hmm. And he hasn't used it yet. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So the fact that there's a smart Instapot is not going to help. No. No. All right. Well, does that make sense? The garlic in a jar, the smart appliances, you tell us. Donald Trump never speaks softly. He speaks boldly as the voice for the voiceless, defending the unborn the strongest pro-life president in history. He speaks forcefully, protecting the persecuted here and around the world, and for our right to freely practice our faith. He speaks unapologetically, nominating a historic number of judges who will defend our God-given constitutional rights. Joe Biden and the radical left want to continue the Obama-Biden policies that forced immoral values in our homes and schools and support abortion up until the moment of birth. They've attacked President Trump's Supreme Court nominee, Amy Coney Barrett, for her faith. And Biden wants to rig the Supreme Court, taking away our constitutional rights. Donald Trump speaks for us, boldly leading the way. He's never let us down and never will. I'm Donald Trump, candidate for president, and I approve this message. Paid for by Donald Trump for President Inc. The following is a public notice for people suffering with fibromyalgia symptoms. Researchers from the University of Illinois College of Medicine have developed the first definitive blood test for the biomarkers of fibromyalgia. Those who test positive may qualify for an FDA-approved clinical trial of a breakthrough symptom-eliminating treatment. Previously, a fibromyalgia diagnosis could not be confirmed. Now, participants can have definitive confirmation of this debilitating disease. The test is covered by nearly all insurance plans, and FM Test can even arrange to have your blood test done by a licensed medical professional in the comfort and security of your own home. 
If you suffer from chronic fatigue, mental fogginess, or chronic pain, it may be fibromyalgia. It's opportunity to get the first and only definitive test. If you test positive, you could be among the first to receive a breakthrough treatment formulated to eliminate all fibromyalgia symptoms. Space is limited, so go now to yourfmtest.com. That's yourfmtest.com. yourfmtest.com. Hi, I'm John Henny from Henny Jewelers. Since 1887, my family has helped people celebrate the most memorable moments in their lives. We are rooted in faith and commit to doing the right thing again and again. We believe in the covenant of marriage and use our to have and to hold program to encourage couples as they prepare to spend the rest of their lives together. Please stop into our Shadyside store to learn more or visit HennyJewelers.com. Henny Jewelers, your jewelers for life. Welcome back to Customize and Save with Liberty Mutual Insurance Company, the game show where you only pay for what you need. And we're out of time. Only pay for what you need at LibertyMutual.com. Liberty, 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 Liberty. Pittsburgh Theological Seminary prepares students for ministry in the way of Jesus with Master of Divinity, Master of Arts, and Doctor of Ministry degree programs and certificates. Perfect for students with full-time employment pursuing a seminary education. Learn more at pts.edu. There's always a moment of truth where it's either put up or shut up. We were yelling our hearts out. Even in our weakness, even in our pain, we continue to push. I don't know where the pain went to, but all I know is that I had what it took. I am a United States Marine. PFC Daryl Willis serves his country as a Marine. Will you? Visit Marines.com or call 1-800-MARINES. One of the things that's caused many people to despair when they look at American society in general is just how hard the pandemic has been on people relationally and people mentally as far as health goes. And one of the the uh, target groups that people have been most concerned about in writing are teens. You know, what's going to happen to teens? You know, they've been displaced from high school. They're not, you know, around their peers. They're stuck at home all the time. It must be really terrible. They must be suffering. Well, There is a profile in The Atlantic by Gene Twenge, which really turns that whole idea completely on its head. And it's titled, Teens Did Surprisingly Well in Quarantine. Wait, no, quarantine's not over. No, quarantine is not over, but it's not as uh, all-encompassing perhaps as it was four or five months ago. March, April, May. Right. Mm-hmm. However, I think the lessons that um, that this study reveals can help us to help our teens even more as we move forward. Um, okay, so this is this is a survey of about 2,000 U.S. teens from May to July this year. And um, Jean, who I think is a woman, though I'm not sure, it could be a man, but I'm going to say it's a woman. Um, she asked about their mental health, their family time, their sleep, their technology use, and their views on the race-related protests in the police. And then the writers of the article, all the people that contributed, assessed mental well-being using four measures, life satisfaction, happiness, symptoms of depression, and loneliness. And then, and this is the interesting thing, they compared the teens' responses to teens' responses to the same questions back in 2018. And this is what they found. Despite many of the challenges faced by teens in our survey, there was a relatively positive picture for mental health. 
No kidding. Okay. No, it's really so surprisingly, teens' mental health did not collectively suffer during the pandemic when the two surveys, the 2020 and the 2018, are compared, right? Hmm. It's really, it's it's amazing. Nearly two-thirds of the students that were surveyed said that they had increased and become and be they had become stronger psychologically during the quarantine than they were when it started. Really? Okay. I mean, I'll how take about that? that? Silver so that's, lining. that's that's their own assessment of themselves, right? Okay, so here are the reasons why, based on the answers to the questions that the teens provided. First, teens have been sleeping more during the pandemic, and teens who are sleep deprived are significantly more likely to suffer from depression. Mm-hmm. Okay. So that's I get that, sure. With many parents working from home and most outside activities canceled for both parents and teens, reason number two, the majority of teens reported increased family time. With positive family relationships linked to better mental health, more family time may have mitigated any negative mental health effects of the pandemic. Fabulous. Listen to this. 56% of the teens said they were spending more time talking with their parents than they had before the pandemic. And 54% said their families now ate dinner together more often. Perhaps most striking, 68% of teens said their families had all become closer during the pandemic. 68%. How about that? That's really great news. And these are teens who often are cranky and crabby when answering questions and kind of the, you know, like taking the worst approach as far as optimism, right? And in this instance, they're saying, no, actually 68% of them that my family became closer during the pandemic. I like that an awful lot. I re- it's really surprising. It's wonderful. Now here's another thing. She writes, some of our most interesting findings had to do with teens use of technology. When the pandemic hit and quarantine began, teens were unable to spend time with friends or fellow students face-to-face, as we all know. Electronic communication became the primary way teens could interact with people outside of their families. To our surprise, teens' technology use did not appear to increase dramatically during the pandemic when compared with 2018. Really? You know, see, I would expect the total opposite of that. I would think, you know, that would make me worry. You know, teens with what gaming or teens with porn or teens with gambling, all those things that are the lure and the pitfalls of the online life. You think that'd be first and foremost. How about that? Isn't that encouraging to think that that actually was not the case? Now, teens in quarantine were spending more time video chatting with friends than they did in 2018. And they spent more time watching TV and videos. Okay. So less time on social, but more time on TV and videos. The TV and videos that they were watching, they were often watching with family members. Very nice. Which also, they said, I mean, we're not here saying, you know, screens are awesome all the time. However, watching screens with family members is a different experience. You're using a different part of your brain and your whole person, right? Than if you're on, you're scrolling through Instagram, looking at who, you know, who has the, you know, best new outfit. Right. Okay. Look, any good news in the midst of the pandemic, especially revolving around children, I'd say is a home run. I think so too. I mean, this is a very long article that I'll be happy to post on our Facebook page, but the main takeaways, they call it the happy facts are that teens were sleeping more. They were spending more time with their siblings and parents, including playing family games, going outside more with family and eating family dinners, which probably displaced some of the time they would have spent 
doing negative things before the pandemic. <laughs> Great. Okay. That's very, very good news. So I, I guess, you know, the problem is we're all ready to batten down the hatches for the winter time. So right. November, December, January, February, March loom large with the pandemic. What will we, we be like teen, tween, adolescent, toddlers, right. I don't young know. and old as we come out of this and go into the springtime. Yeah, I don't know. But I have to say that this article made me hopeful about it as opposed to fearful about it. Okay. Because I thought, okay, so if we have to do it again, there are actually good results that have been noticed in the life of teens, which to me would be the hardest hit group. Yeah, right. I would think so too. But there were positive results of that. And so if we have to go back to something like that again, then we can and we can gain something out of the experience. God help us all. Hey, thanks for being with us. Always a great pleasure to have you with us here. We don't take this for granted at all. So uh, listen, uh, the podcast is up and running after we leave the show. Look for us on Facebook as well. John and Kathy dot com. And uh, we'll see you tomorrow. God willing. Always happy to hear from you. So let us know good, bad, or otherwise. Have a great night. The Ride Home with John and Kathy, a production of Salem Media Group.